The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the fifth chapter. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain and sat down, and his disciples came to him. Then Jesus began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the dominion of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the dominion of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of the Lord. Standing here and facing you from this elevated part of the sanctuary, I can see everyone in the room. In fact, I can look right into your eyes as I go around the room from one side to the other. I don't say that to make you feel self-conscious or nervous. I just want to acknowledge what a different perspective it is from here than when I sit in the pew, as I have for the last two Sundays. From that place with you, my gaze is mostly forward toward the relatively small number of people who are here leading worship, reading scripture, doing music, uh, preaching, presiding. And when I think about those two different experiences of even last week to this week, it makes me wonder if Jesus had a special reason for going up on the mountain in the story that Matthew tells. We know from the verses that Matthew gives us right before this that a tremendously diverse crowd of people had started to follow Jesus. Matthew says that they were from Galilee, from the Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and even from beyond the Jordan. And Matthew adds all kinds of detail about the physical and emotional and spiritual circumstances the realities of their lives. And he names many things about these diverse people in the crowd that would have determined their place in society. Reading that paragraph that precedes this, it's easy to imagine that any one of those people could have gotten lost in the crowd. Any one of them could have been overlooked or forgotten or dismissed. But Matthew says something profoundly important right at the beginning of this whole discourse that we call the Sermon on the Mount. In his opening phrase, it introduces it. Matthew says, Jesus saw the crowds. At the start, his sight might have been like we have when we are in the pew, seeing people in front of him. But when Jesus went up on the mountain, he would have seen the crowds from a new perspective. I like to imagine 
that Jesus went to a higher place so that he could make eye contact with everyone that was there. I like to imagine that he wanted to make sure that every single one of them knew that they were seen. And not just seen by him, but seen by God. I think he wanted to assure them, every one of them, in his own loving way, that not one of them was lost in the crowd. Not one of them was overlooked or forgotten or dismissed. And in Matthew's choice of words, there's also something else profound as he talks about what Jesus does. Because in the Greek language of the New Testament, there are different words for the verb to see. If it were just about eye contact, Matthew could have used the verb blepo, which is just a very literal verb to describe the act of seeing with your eyes. But Matthew instead chose the verb aido, which is an act of seeing that involves understanding and recognizing. It's like the way we use the word when we say, oh, I see. So in this way, Jesus isn't just seeing people with his eyes, but Jesus is perceiving them. It's related to the same word that we hear in our theme for this year, a word in Hebrew from Isaiah, where Isaiah says, see or behold, that God is doing a new thing. And in case we don't get it, Isaiah clarifies that by going on to ask, do you not perceive it? So in Jesus' case, I love the fact that in this way that Matthew describes it, he is really perceiving the people. He's recognizing each one of them for who they are and understanding them in the context of their life circumstances. And in a way that is so consistent with the God made known to us in Hebrew scripture, the God that Micah speaks about who loves justice and kindness and humility, Jesus starts with the ones in the crowd who were the most likely to be overlooked or forgotten or lost. It reminds me of that awesome moment at the beginning of the Exodus story where God says, I have seen the suffering of my people and I have come to deliver them. When Jesus saw the crowd in the same way, he started with the ones who he recognized as being poor in spirit and the ones who were mourning. He then turned his gaze to the ones he perceived as meek in that great crowd and the ones who he must have understood to be hungering and thirsting. Blessed are you, Jesus says. No matter what the world says or no matter what you say about yourself, blessed are you. It was a radically different message, I'm sure, than the one they were used to hearing. Their culture, like ours today, was quick to associate blessing with prosperity and health and happiness and good fortune. They didn't have the means 
to take selfies in front of a pool or in a first-class seat or with smiling people all around and send it with a hashtag blessed. But I think they perceived things in the same way that we do when it comes to blessing. They wouldn't have seen it, perhaps, in the way that Jesus did unless he opened their eyes to that. The poor in spirit and the mourning and the hungering and the thirsting were used to hearing, I'm sure, that they were cursed rather than blessed. The same thing was true, I'm sure, for those who were beaten down because they had stood up for justice and kindness and peace and those who were persecuted for righteousness sake. But Jesus looked right at every single one of them and he told them the truth and it inspires me to do the same thing as I look right at you today. The truth, my friends, is that you live in a constant state of blessing because you are always near and dear to the heart of God. That's the way it has always been for you, even before your birth, and nothing that you do or feel will ever cause that to change. The truth is also that you are never out of God's sight. Yes, there are billions of people in the world, but you are not lost in the crowd. Yes, there are threats and challenges of global proportions that cause whole societies great anxiety, but your daily and hourly concerns are not overlooked, they are seen. Yes, there are pressing needs of people all around you, but yours are not lost or forgotten. Yes, your life is complex, but God sees you, which means God knows you, God understands you. In one of the very simple care practices that we use sometimes here at St. Mark's, we begin a gathering by having each person go over to someone else, stand right in front of them, and say, I see you. It is a small thing, but it calls our attention to this vocation that we have to truly see and understand and love one another in this spirit of Christ. For every time that happens and for every blessing it brings, I say, thanks be to God. Amen.